Hello everyone and welcome to Friday Voice. I'm Andrea James and I'm your host for Friday Voice series as well as all the other podcasts here at Voice at the Table. So if you want to check out um, all our resources including uh, the podcast from our great conference last week, uh, you can go to voiceatthetable.com. Today we have Emily Emily Thorpe, who will be talking to us about how to succeed as a working parent. Emily is a coach, author, speaker, specializing in supporting working mums in trying to find achievable work-life balance, ditch the guilt, stress, and overwhelm that often plague career mums. Emily was an air traffic controller for 23 years, considered to be one of the most stressful uh, professions. But she would readily agree that becoming a mum and returning to work was more stressful than keeping planes apart. In today's podcast, Emily will share with us how to succeed as a parent in the workplace and getting the right balance and avoiding stress and overwhelm. Welcome, Emily. Uh, Hello, Andrea. Hello. Joined us. <laughs> yes. Um, so uh, hopefully we get a few more people coming on. Uh, some do join us a little bit later. Uh, but I'll give you the format uh, just before we start with the presentation itself. We're going to keep it relatively informal. Um, Emily will be presenting on five key points today for about 20 minutes in total. I'll be monitoring the chat box throughout the presentation. So feel free to ask any questions or make any comments at any time, and I'll be monitoring it. Um, and in between those five points, we will break and I will convey your message or comment to Emily. If you'd like to speak to, to her directly, um, just let me know and I'll unmute you during one of these times. Uh, do note that uh, this is all recorded and will be shared with the Voice at the Table members. So if Emily asks you any questions too, it'd be great if you can use the chat box to participate. All right, so let's kick off with uh, the presentation today. Brilliant. Oh, yours, Emily. <laughs> Great. Okay, so I just wanted to start by telling people a little bit about my background and where I, how I've got to where I am now. I used to be an air traffic controller, as you mentioned. That's me at Southampton Tower uh, with a lovely double rainbow. Um, and, you know, for me, it was a fantastic job. It was quite demanding, but I enjoyed it thoroughly. And then I got pregnant. And I found that what returning to work was quite stressful because I felt absolutely riddled with guilt for leaving my baby at nursery and coming to work. Uh, it wasn't helped by the fact that he wouldn't take a bottle. So I was expressing milk, dropping it off at nursery. And when I picked him up in the afternoon, late afternoon, I'd say, has he had any milk? And they'd say, no, luckily he was on um, baby rice and puree but for me not being able to feed my baby was you know it was just so wrong it felt so bad so I felt fairly guilty because he wasn't having milk in the day he was drinking having milk all night which meant I was up quite a lot in the night sleep deprived so I got very overwhelmed very tired and that led to stress so I wasn't in a good place but I do believe that having a baby is a great pattern interrupt for our life because you can be carrying along, following a path, 
sometimes we're not even consciously following a path. We just go to school, then to college, university, then you go into a job and you're just following this path, this well-trodden path that so many have done before us. And actually I found maternity leave and having a baby was a great point for me to say, am I doing what I want to do? Is this the best place for me? Is this where my, my heart lies? And for me, I got a resounding no, actually, uh, there was, there's, I want to do something else. So I actually trained, while I was still working, I trained to be a life coach. And that helped me to understand where the guilt was coming from and the stress and the overwhelm. And I was able to change my thinking and change um, my outlook so that I didn't feel guilty anymore. I didn't feel stressed. And it was such an eye-opening experience. And I carried on working for another eight years in air traffic. And then I thought, actually, I love coaching so much. So I made the switch and I founded Happy Working Mum, which is my business. And I wrote a book, The Working Mum's Five Step Solution to Having a Door, which shares um, my five um, steps to getting guilt free and stress free. And now, as you mentioned, Andrea, I'm a speaker, and that was a photo from the conference last week. Which yes, I was like, I recognise that. <laughs> it was great fun. So that's my story. And now, if I, I'd just like to go through the five steps, so five um, points. So if I start with number one, which is awareness and adjustment, and I think. This is the key piece. It's a kind of mindset piece. It's not a practical thing. It's the what happens when you become a mum because, you know, none of us, when we first become a mum, we haven't done it before. There are lots of books out there, but there is no one guidebook for your child. There's no manual for your child or the way you're going to do it. So it is a massive adjustment. And I've got this picture because I used to have an MR2 before I had kids and you know, for me, it was one of those things, oh, I'm going to have to change my car because obviously a two-seater car is not going to work for a family of three. And that was a sort of practical change. But actually, it's a, a mental and emotional change more than anything else. So before kids, I was fairly carefree, you know, married my husband and I would you know, decide to do something spontaneous at the weekend. We might go for bike rides or go on little trips here, there and everywhere. And you have that lovely, carefree feeling. When you have a baby, it all changes. You are now responsible for another human being. Another human being is dependent on you for food, for shelter, for um, clothing, for nurturing, for love. And it is a massive responsibility. You know, it's a beautiful experience but it is a responsibility and that adjustment of knowing that okay I can't just think of myself and to hell with everybody else because it's only me that I'm worried about you then have to be thinking of another person and that um, translate practically into loads of like you know taking your bag with a change of clothes and nappies and wipes and this and that and the other there's a lot of practical adjustments but emotionally it's a bigger adjustment because you have to realize that you're no longer just thinking of yourself and as well as a, a being aware of this adjustment it's also very key to not go the other way because a, a lot of women that I speak to they're mums and it's such a new and wonderful experience that they become um, completely engulfed by this 
experience of being a mum and it's very easy to lose yourself you know even at school people refer to you oh you're Finn's mummy <laughs> you know you actually don't even almost have a name because you're somebody's mummy you can become so enwrapped with that whole experience of being the perfect mum and there is a lot of pressure to do x y and z to be that perfect mum and a bit later on we'll be talking about nourishing ourselves but one of the key points I wanted to bring up was to not lose yourself in being a mum you know still retain those elements that are you obviously I couldn't keep a two-seater car but I did try and keep other elements of me so that I wasn't lost in that mummy um, mummy sort of over umbrella um, so yes and also the next thing with this adjustment is to be kind to yourself it will take a little while I can remember being on maternity leave and of course my pay was halved for nine months I think it was when I had my second but I hadn't adjusted my spending and I quickly got through my money and I was like okay I have to rethink this because I knew I was now a mum. However, I hadn't translated that into the adjustment in my spending. So there are lots of different adjustments we have to make. It might be things that you do. It might be things, you know, going to bed at certain times. This is, a, you know, there are loads of adjustments that you have to make and it will take quite a while to transition. But if you have that awareness, that will give you the tools to take it in your own time and to do it more easily rather than fighting it or getting a shock like I did. <laughs> so um, yes, that's the first point. Be aware that it's going to be a big change and be kind to yourself. we've got a question in I'll just say to um, the listeners that I am not I'm still the carefree person <laughs> and not a mum uh, so um, these questions are not uh, my personal questions uh, but we do have a question in um, from your experience as a coach of lots of mums what do you think is the biggest challenge for for new mums I think it is trying to trying well being aware that they can't do everything they did before you can you have to cherry pick more so rather than saying right this you know you've we've all got very full lives I'm sure Andrea your life is full to bursting and the thought of having to squeeze a routine around a baby into that as well mm -hmm. it, you, know, you realize it can't work and uh, um, I think for mums they think they can carry on a lot I've heard a lot of women say oh we're having a baby it's not going to change my life you know <laughs> yeah. and that's slightly naive so I think the biggest challenge would be this um, adjustment in their lifestyle yeah I guess you get really good at prioritizing things you are forced to great yeah I think that's that's all for for now okay let me move on to point two then so avoid stress and overwhelm Obviously, I didn't. <laughs> I was extremely stressed and very overwhelmed. I can remember um, distinctly coming back from, I was on a morning shift and I got home and I had, I think it was 50 minutes before I had to go and pick up Finn from nursery. And I sat there and I had a list of things to do. And I was going, I don't know which one to do. I've got this massive list. I've got 50 minutes. And I just sat there and looked at the list. And then 
I looked at my clock, you know, and I was like, okay, now I have 45 minutes. I haven't done anything. What am I going to do? And it went on. I did not move. I was paralyzed and it was just sheer overwhelm. I had, I had given myself so much to do that I couldn't do any, any of it, which is absolutely ridiculous. So overwhelm is not a good place to be. So I have this system, which I call the three D's. And the first one is to decide. So grab yourself a few minutes, cup of tea, glass of wine, whatever. And, you know, I recommend that people sit down and decide what's important. You know, pick four things in your life which are the most important. So it could be your family, your career, your home and your physical well-being, like exercise. And then look at your life and prioritize those four things. As you said, Andrea, it's a question of prioritizing. So if you have put exercise and health in your important list, make sure it is in your um, timetable, you're in, a, in your agenda. Now, obviously, not everything is going to fit. So anything else that doesn't come into that list, you need to either ditch or delegate. So that's the next thing. And I'm a huge advocate of delegating. And I don't just mean, you know, at work, giving other people jobs to do. I don't even mean just at home, asking your partner or husband to do things. I'm talking about, you know, for things like um, getting online shopping, uh, getting a cleaner. Um, I used to, I can remember when I was particularly overwhelmed, I used to take my laundry to Johnson's, which is a, like a dry cleaning thing, and they would do a wash and fold. So I would get all my bedding, I'd strip all the beds on a Sunday, take it over there, and then pick it up um, a few days later, and it was all washed and folded. You know, it was just one less thing to do. And I've, I've talked to mums before, and quite often it's very easy to think oh I have to do this you know I have to do the housework I have to do this I can remember talking to a mum and she was saying oh, I really want to get fit but I just don't have time to exercise and we were going through her regime her routine and we, were, we got to Tuesday evening and she said oh but Tuesday evening's the night I clean the bath <laughs> and I was but this is your health and okay, if you choose to clean the bath over going for a walk or, you know, going for a bike ride, whatever it is, you're giving your bath more priority than your health. So it's really checking in and saying, what's, what's most important to me? And then really being quite ruthless about everything else. And, you know, there are some things that you can let go of for now and you can pick them up later when you've got more time. You know, when your kids get to school age, you will have a bit more time. You'll have a bit more flexibility. But in those initial months and years, I would say really be ruthless. Um, do what's important to you. Prioritize and then let some stuff go. It, it, nobody's going to nobody's going to die if you sort of drop out of a committee or um uh, you know I heard of a lady and she had she was on loads of committees you know like at the PTA and a parish committee and she was out so often she didn't see her children and one day she just said actually I've got it all wrong I want to spend more time with my kids the people on the committee were probably a bit cross to begin with but they survived you know it wasn't the end of the world so be quite ruthless and know what your priorities are yeah, um, I'd just like to add my two cents to that because even though I'm not a mum, the last couple of years I've been a bit ill and it's 
the same sort of thing where you have stress and overwhelm um, because, well, you can't do everything that you thought you could. And, mm-hmm. and this is a great example from um, just a group that Emily and I work in. Um, I'm having some of them over and one of the, the ladies offered to each person bring lunch um, to, to my place. And at first I thought, oh no, no, I'm a host. I have to be the person because <laughs> that was the old me. Like I, I feel terrible having people do things like that and asking for help. But I've realized in the past year that I can't do all the things that I used to do. And actually you, you often find people offering to help and it's just being able to one, ask for help and two, accept help when it's given. Mm. Yes, that's a great point, Andrea. And I think another spin on it is that we all know from experience what it's like when we say to someone, oh, can I bring something around? And they go, yes. And you take something and they're incredibly grateful and you feel good. You feel good for doing something nice. Mm. And you're the person that says, no, I'll do it. Thank you. I don't need your help. You're depriving others of that feeling of, of being helpful, of doing something nice, which is which is kind of mean, you know, if you put it that way. Yeah, no, no, no. I totally agree. Stopping people from doing, having their good deed for the day, which feels lovely. So yes, I think say yes as often as possible to help and um, say no when people, you know, impose on you. So it's that balance of knowing when to say no and when to say yes to help. Learn to receive, I think. Mm -hmm. Brilliant. Thank you. Okay. So the next point is authenticity. So, I'm a bit of an authenticity nut. I just love the whole concept that we are completely unique. And I know we all know that we're completely unique, but it's very easy because of um, external pressure, peer pressure, little cliques to try and conform and try and fit in. This can happen in the workplace. This can happen with friends. The media is is always trying to get us to fit in in some way or other or tell us how we should be doing things you know as a working mother I've read so many articles saying oh you're harming your child because you go to work and leave them or you're you should be doing this or you should be doing that and it's quite hard to find your way because everybody's telling you how to do it and I think if you can have the courage to be authentic you will be so much happier and so the feeling will be so true and it'll make you a better parent it'll make you a happier person it'll um, increase your creativity in the workplace because you're not having to censor what you say how you feel because you're just being you so there's no there's no resistance there you're just being authentic and as a a parent like I said there's a lot of pressure to be the perfect mum and this is the way this is what a good mum does and I've had that a lot you know that a good mum would read a story to their child every night a good mum would puree their carrots and put it in ice cube trays and a good mum would use those cotton nappies not disposable and there's all this pressure of what a good mum should be but actually if you are completely authentic then you are the best mum you could be because you're in your zone you're in flow there's no there's nothing false about you you're just being true so I have these pictures of these are our stereotypical 
<laughs> what a mum should be doing. And it, I'm not saying there's anything wrong with doing those things. I don't bake. It's just not my thing. And on the occasions that I've tried, you know, um, for anyone who's got young children, you will soon discover that birthday parties can be a bit of a um, <laughs> an exhibition of of culinary creativity. You know, I've been to birthday parties with um, where people have created Harry Potter the Sorting Hat cakes or lightsaber cakes or you know dolphins or the, the most incredible creations. And it's very easy to get wrapped up in that. And I have tried building a few cakes. I did one which was a, it was an airport because my youngest was into planes and I did a control tower. Everything was wonky. It looked like the Leaning Tower of Pisa and everything was a bit smudgy. And it was so stressful for me because it was completely not my thing. And I tried to do it. And honestly, I decided after that cake, that's it. I'm just gonna go to the supermarket and buy one. And my kids don't mind. I'm happier, they're happier. So just be aware that there are these pressures and you don't have to conform. And I found these two images of other mums. So here's a mum, she's a racing driver in Australia, just doing her thing. And this is another group, this is also in Australia, but it's a group um, of hiking mums and they all go off with their little babes hiking up hills, which I thought was fantastic. So you don't have to conform to the stereotypical this is what a mum does and I, I think it's really key to find out what works for you what's your thing if you were a hiker before don't stop being a hiker now just take your baby find what works for you and give yourself permission to do it your way so that's quite a key thing and again this is not um this is not just for mums this is applies to everybody in the whole world but I just thought it was important to share it because mums can feel a little bit pressurized to conform. Yeah you mentioned a lot about wanting to be a perfect mum and there's so much sort of conflicting advice out there in terms of puring your carrots or <laughs> that sort of thing so how mm. how do new mums know what to do? Well I think it does take a while for you to sort of settle into it but I would encourage mums to listen to their gut you know really tune into themselves because we're quite um separated from our intuition these days i feel like we're all about the brain it's all about thinking and planning and sorting and we've kind of lost that connection with our intuition you know that gut feeling and it is something that you can develop. You just have to listen a little bit harder because it's quite a small voice inside you saying, you should be doing this or this is what feels good. And you, you know, your brain, which is, you know, overpowers you with that. Oh, I want to do this. Or, this is the right thing to do. But if you start to have quiet moments, I, I would recommend going for walks and just, you know, tuning into your intuition then or even meditating, just having some quiet moments. So you can hear that voice and say, you know, what, what do I really want to do in this situation? Um, and rather than be all logical, just go from a more emotional point of view. Yeah. Okay, thank you. <laughs> Brilliant. So point number four. So this is all about self-care. So um, obviously we have the usual suspects, which are sleep, you know, if you're a new mum, undoubtedly you will be getting less sleep <laughs> than you used to. So make it a priority if your child sleeps. You know, if you're on maternity leave and your child has a nap in the day, go to sleep. 
don't worry about the ironing, washing, cleaning, all that stuff, just go to sleep. If at the weekend you can either have um, swap play dates, so you know, look after someone else's baby and then they look after yours, do a couple of hours each so you get some sleep, ask your partner. It's really important to um, recharge your batteries. Water, drink plenty of water, obviously, food, fresh food, um, exercise and fresh air. So these are all the normal things that we know However, as I mentioned at the beginning, it can be quite hard to prioritize them when you're in that mode of I'm a mom, I'm looking after my baby. We have that. It's quite a cliche, I know, but the old um, in, in an aircraft, put your oxygen mask on first. I know it's a bit of a cliche and people bandy it around a bit, but it is so true. If you don't look after yourself with you know, food, water, exercise, sleep then you're going to be very depleted and as a depleted person you're not going to show up as this amazing mum that we all want to be or amazing wife or amazing um, employee or boss or whatever your roles are in your life if you are depleted you're going to be a shadow of yourself instead of your full technicolor self so make sure you look after yourself and really put yourself a bit further up the list my, my husband used to joke that it would be the kids and then him and then the cats and somewhere at the bottom I'd look after myself so um, yes put yourself a bit further up the list and then I've just included a few pictures of things that I like to do so that's me in the sea I'm in a choir mum's choir that's us singing in the cathedral and I like doing a few crazy things so that's me just before I went zorbing and it's you know it's fundamentally part of nourishing you is to do things that lo you love that keep you alive and make you make you sing make your heart sing so we can all spend the whole day ironing or you know go to work come in and do the housework and yes we might have a nice house a nice clean house but our soul won't be singing we won't be exciting we won't have lots to talk about you know when I come out of singing we have choir practice every week it feels like my whole body has been plugged in. I'm flooded with endorphins. I'm not a great singer, but it gives me so much pleasure. There's a lot of camaraderie in the group. We have a laugh. Um, being in the sea just gives me a great sense of perspective. And, you know, I can go out for an hour, go for a swim, come back, and I am energized. I'm buzzing and I'm chatty. And the other thing is that when I've given myself that gift, then I am so willing to spend an hour playing Lego on the floor because I'm filled up. I've done my thing. I feel nourished and replenished. So I don't mind then giving an hour, two hours to doing or playing some game that I've no idea what the rules are. My youngest son plays quite a few games and he makes the rules up as they go along. And, you know, I've just got no idea what I'm doing, but I'm, I don't mind. I'll just give my time because I'm full up. But if you're in a place where, you know, imagine the scenario where you've been at work, then you've done ironing and then someone says, and now can you sit on the floor and play, you know, with, I don't know, go-go's, Go go lazy bones or whatever they're crazy bones for an hour. You'd be like, oh, seriously, I just want to have some me time. If you don't have that me time, you're just depleted. So I would encourage people to nourish their their soul as well as their body. Yeah, I think I can really relate to that. You see these things as wonderful bonuses, as opposed to being resentful that it's eating away part of you. Mm, definitely, definitely. Yeah. And okay. so, what, what other mistakes do you think 
mums make besides not sort of treating themselves first? What's the most common kind of things that, that well, you Well, I move on to part five because this will probably answer ah. it. <laughs> <laughs> so getting support. So I've already mentioned delegating, but support can come in many forms. So it's not just um, practical things. It's emotional support and um, having that um, feeling of a, a sisterhood or an extended family. I can remember my husband going away um, when Finn, my eldest, was like three months and I wasn't sleeping very well. He wasn't sleeping and I was just a mess. He went away for maybe a week and I rang up my NCT girls and I said, can you come around? So they just came around for a coffee morning. All the babies were in their little bouncy chairs and we just sat and had a coffee. Nothing was said. I wasn't going, oh, I'm having a terrible time, although they would have been there for me. I just wanted to have people around me who were who could, could understand that I was tired. You know, we all shared our stories over the months about, you know, whose baby was, you know, had reflux or was doing this or had some, you know, sleeping issue or nappy rash or whatever it was. And it's that feeling of not being alone, that you know that you've got other people in the same boat. So that's one sort of support. Um, like I said, practical support, like getting your online shopping and all those sort of things around the house that you can help not only that but your colleagues let me just see if I've got delegate network of friends okay um practical we've done emotional so friends um and you can get emotional support from places like that you know facebook groups there's a lot of um mums facebook groups where people you know i've read the most heart-wrenching posts of mums who are saying you know, I need some help, this has happened, my child's sort of in hospital, or my husband doesn't understand, or I'm, I've lost my job, or whatever it is, and they're opening their heart, and they have hundreds of replies of, you know, don't worry, can I help, you can do this, you know, just real support of other women who understand, and it doesn't, it just it's just knowing that there are other people in your position or who care about you or who don't even know you but are offering you their um their their wishes and their thoughts saying you know you can do this you're going to be fine so emotional support and also um if you think about work find yourself a mentor at work or someone at work who's in the same position as you but a few years ahead or a few steps ahead so it might be a, a woman in your company who's got kids who's um, progressed their career and you could sort of say to them how have you done this how have you managed you know I want to balance my family and my career how did you do it can you give me some pointers and just have someone who's looking out for you so I think it's not we can't expect all our support to come from one person. I think it's a mistake that uh, women can make is that you look to your husband to be the the answer to everything. You know, um, I can remember once when I was having a tricky time at work, I came home and I was like, oh, I don't want to do this, 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 this. And my husband was being um, a very mask you know it's a masculine trait to problem solve so he was saying well why don't you do this why don't you do that and I said I don't want you to solve the problem I just want you to listen and go mm, oh yes I understand which is what a girlfriend would do so I sort of 
I sort of understood then that, you know, for my problem solving, you know, my husband is great, but for um, when I just want a sympathetic ear, sometimes my girlfriends are better. Or if I want to talk to someone about, you know, a mum thing, sometimes girlfriends or other mums are better. So, you know, don't expect one person to, um, to be your support. You know, try and build a real network of, of, for different needs. Um, you might want um, another set of friends who lift you up, who make you laugh, or, you know, another set of friends who do the crazy stuff or, you know, find different networks to, to help you in different situations. Um, I've got a question. Mm. Um, what if, I know, I know quite a lot of people who they, as you, as you mentioned too, they rely on their husband, but also rely on their husband for their social group before they have kids. And they find themselves quite isolated um, once they do have kids and they don't have a network of friends because, you know, for whatever reason, they haven't seen their girlfriends for a long time or they live far away. How do you, what do you, can you suggest for these women besides Facebook? Um, how do they find these networks? Mm, well, we're lucky because we have this amazing, amazing choice of baby activities. I almost find it too much because it's, I find it quite overwhelming for, for mums nowadays because you have baby yoga and baby <laughs> swimming and baby massage and baby gym, you know, where you can run around and sing and sign. There are so many activities for children. And I do worry that mums can be a bit like, oh, if I don't teach my baby how to swim, then, you know, right at age three months, I'll have failed. And if I don't do massage with them, they won't be able to connect as an adult. You know, there's a lot of that going on. Mm. However, if you don't know anyone in your area or you feel a bit cut off, these groups are brilliant because you will meet women with the same age babies as you. And you can, it's, there's no social barriers in that in those situations it's not as awkward as going into a bar and trying to meet friends or to meet someone everybody's got their baby on the floor you know doing the yoga and everything and you'll you'll definitely meet people and just make it a regular thing um and it'll be something that you really start looking forward to that interaction so yes that would be my my top tip is to get involved with kids kids clubs mm. great thank you and I think that's, yeah, so then we've just got a summary. So these are the five points. Awareness, so that's the key sort of mindset piece is be aware that your situation has completely changed and be kind to yourself and adjust accordingly. Avoid stress and overwhelm, that's with the three Ds. Uh, be authentic, try and find your way by tuning into your intuition and being the mum you want to be. If you want to be, you know, an outdoorsy mum, be that. If you want to be the mum that snuggles up on the sofa reading to your kid, be that. But just do it your way with no apologies. Just give yourself permission to do that. Then practical self-care, which includes nourishing your soul and your making your heart sing. And then finally getting support. So every network, networks and like a sisterhood, see what you can find and try and get every need met. And then finally, enjoy it all because, you see, my two there, you know, they're now nine and 12. It's not going to be long before they're moving out. I know it that goes in a heartbeat the time. So really make the most of the period when you are a mum and working because it is very precious. 
Great. Thank you so much for, for a really informative presentation, even as not a mum. I think I could relate to, to a few things that I, I can take away and use. Mm. I didn't know if there'd be any questions, but... Uh... If you have any questions while I tell you about the next podcast, do feel free to type it into the box as I say, privately is fine. And I will pass the question on. Uh, in the meantime, our next podcast is on the 28th of July. So the end of next month. And we have Amanda Cullen. She is incredibly experienced in the pensions industry and also as a coach. And she is going to be talking to us about how to be an intrapreneur. <laughs> and if you're intrigued about that i do encourage you to join us on the 28th and find out more so on that note i'm just checking the chat box and no just thank you very much for the presentation emily Brilliant. It's been an absolute pleasure. Thank you, Andrea. No problem. Thank you. As a final thing, if you need any resources or want to contact us, go to voiceatthetable.com. Otherwise, I'll see you next month. Take care. Goodbye.